Well, somebody that is an authority on uh, conspiracies in general and assassinations specifically is Tyler Nixon. He's a writer. He's an attorney at law, an Army veteran, and a critical historian, and he's kind enough to join us on the radio. Tyler, it's good to talk to you again. How have you been? Good, good. How are you, Frank? It's, uh, it's good to be with you. Well, certainly, uh, you have to say about the 1960s, there were a lot of lone nuts and loose, you know, with uh, with assassination-minded uh, intentions. If, if you if you want to believe the official versions of just about all the major conspiracy, excuse me, assassinations that occurred in the 1960s. Yeah, that's true. They must not have been prosecuting fair evasion in the 60s either. Now, um, as far as Martin Luther <laughs> King and his assassination goes, uh, it's safe to say, I guess, that you're on the same page as William Pepper, Jesse Jackson, the King family. You don't believe that James Earl Ray acted alone. Is that accurate? No, well, I don't know that he acted at all. I think he was uh, very much like uh, like Oswald was, uh, and to a lesser extent, uh, Sirhan, which was just a patsy, essentially a low level person who was manipulated uh, into the position and, and you know set up to take the fall. And, and you see that what what happened with Ray after uh, after the event. I mean, this had to involve intelligence. I mean, he traveled internationally. There were multiple contacts. But William Pepper's work, I mean, he is, uh, I mean, he has been dogged for decades on this case. And um, so you know, ta- take, just, us, uh, take us through it. What, what exactly um, what is, what did James Earl Ray do after the assassination? Well, he, he basically absconded to Canada and he had spoken of the, you know, this handler, this person, Raul, who he was uh, dealing with. Um, who I don't think the person's ever been definitively identified, but you know these the indicia again of being able to pass through through customs and and basically being able to travel. I mean, he was a fugitive, so you know how do you get how do you do this? How do you how are you able to travel uh, to multiple countries and be on the on the lam that long with your being basically the uh, the wanted assassin of the most, you know, famous civil rights leader in the world at that time. Um, so, you know, he was able to. I mean, you know, he he basically. It's just this is not the profile of someone who would even be a hired assassin. I mean, he was just a low-level uh, crook, basically. Um, and you know, he was put in. And you see it with his Alford plea. I mean, he realized he was facing the death penalty, and rather than be put to death or, or get light, well, he's going to get life in prison. But he he basically took a plea and said, you know, I yeah, okay. He he took a guilty plea, but he never actually said, as uh, as is pointed out, that he killed Martin Luther King. So it's your so, view that the reason he pled guilty to committing this murder was in order to avoid the death penalty. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's basically, you know, you're talking Tennessee, 1969. I mean, forget it. It's, it's you know, like Jack Ruby, same thing. Uh, you know, he was sentenced to death. Basically, they didn't fool around. And, uh, you know, he they they he, he I'm sure and his attorneys advised him that they saw the deck was stacked. I mean, and he was he was going to go down. So it was the difference between life in prison and death. So he unfortunately had to make that uh, for him had to make that decision. Uh, and interestingly, you know, it's the King family, uh, um, Dexter King and, and other members of the King family who basically came sort of to his defense and uh, stood up for him because they realized that. And, and uh, actually, Dexter King in 1999, I believe it was or 97, excuse me, fingered Lyndon Johnson and said, you know, that he felt that and the family members felt that Lyndon Johnson was at, at the center of uh, this uh, this murder plot, and that it couldn't have gone on without him. And 
I think you could say the same thing about the uh, the assassination of President Kennedy, in that you know this would never have happened had Lyndon Johnson not been uh, not only aware of it but in on it and you know complicit in it because uh, you know that, first of all who would trust him at the top? Lyndon Johnson was you know a very shifty uh, a, a psychopath really, um, and I, I'm sure that anybody who would have been involved in that that plot would have never. It's kind of like skin in the game. They would have never just done it on the, on the presumption that Johnson would have been happy enough to, you know, let it go at that. I mean, I think he, had that not been the case, Johnson probably would have, you know, probably t- gone after the, zone, the, the people who had done it within, for, for example, the CIA, um, because he was paranoid as well, and said, "Look, I found the plotters, you know, and, and been the hero of the uh, century for finding the uh, murderers of President Kennedy." Um, that being said. Dr. King was, uh, you know, was a marked man. I mean, from from the moment a year before to the day he gave the speech um, that, that, you know, basically came out in opposition to the war in Vietnam. At that point, he was persona non grata with Lyndon Johnson. Uh, He had been being hounded and pursued by J. Edgar Hoover, also another complete psychopath. And I, I don't think the FBI will ever be clean until his name is removed from the FBI building. Uh, in Washington. I mean, that's just a disgrace. The man was a serial blackmailer, and there's no question about it, uh, blackmailing presidents even, um, just to keep himself where he was. And he uh, basically is was a criminal and, and manipulated. I mean, he was a, a degenerate, really, and was involved in covering up the uh, assassination of President Kennedy and then uh, pursuing Martin Luther King on a level that was just despicable. I mean, clearly just um, really went after this man. In fact, there was a recently, I believe it was recently released, and you might have seen it. It's a report that was an FBI internal report, you know, classified secret um, that was never released. And it was March 12, 1968. So you're talking a matter of weeks before uh, King's assassination. And this report, I mean, it is it is really, really, I mean, you, you see that just it's seething with animus towards King. It, it's, you know, subversives and communists and, uh, you know, just tying him in with all sorts of, um, you know, of the boogeyman at the time, not that the communists weren't, you know, truly a dangerous uh, element and, and an enemy to our country. But at the same time, I mean, was King wrapped up with them as they portrayed it? Probably not. And then they, of course, went into the salacious aspects of his personal life, um, which you know he he clearly was not you know he did not uh, have fidelity to his to his marriage and to his wife, but be that as it may, I mean for someone like Lyndon Johnson, for example, to call King a hypocrite as he did after uh, he also called him that N word preacher, and I you know I don't want to use the the word, but you can yeah, fill in the blank uh, after he had yeah exactly after he had. Uh, had sort of turned his back on the war, or not not that King ever supported the war, but King came out openly against it. And th- you have to understand that Lyndon Johnson was the ultimate paranoid. I mean, he really was the most dis- dis- vile, I mean, almost demonic of people that you can even conceive of. The things that he was involved in, I would urge people to take a look at Phil- Philip Nelson's work. Um, he-, he basically wrote, and of course, also, of course, Roger Stone's, uh, you know, uh, brilliant uh, book, The Man Who Killed Kennedy case against LBJ, but um, uh, Philip Nelson got into it in much more depth, and and you you hear that you know you, he's documented so many instances of Lyndon Johnson's just psycho, psychopathy and his just indifference to anybody, I mean, his ruthlessness. I mean, if you believe also, for example, Billy Sol Estes, who was 
a business associate crony of Johnson in Texas involved with many of the uh, crooked deals. Uh, uh, Sol Estes said to a grand jury or, or uh, testified to a grand jury, I believe, around 1984, uh, that Johnson, amongst, amongst the people that he had killed, uh, including President Kennedy, was his own sister. So Johnson had his own sister murdered. Um, and, you know, he was a complete uh, just, I mean, even Bill Moyers and uh, I believe one other, I'm trying to think of the name of escapes, it was Jack Valenny. While they were in the White House with Johnson around 64 and with the upcoming uh, campaign uh, for his reelection, really actually openly said, we question this man's mental state, that he's not a schizophrenic or there's something severely wrong with him uh, that, that led them to, to confide in each other and to be frightened for the country. So you know, Johnson was paranoid that, first of all, he had Bobby Kennedy breathing down his neck, um, and obviously Bobby Kennedy making major moves uh, towards you know, becoming an anti-war uh, candidate. And then there was also, it was known that uh, King and Kennedy were in communication with each other, and there was definitely a uh, the belief that it, you know potentially you could have a, a King uh, excuse me, a Kennedy King ticket in '68 wow. against Johnson. Well, um, and uh, you know, John, and even if that wasn't necessarily a real thing in the offing, it doesn't matter because Johnson's paranoia would have constructed sure. it. Sure. Uh, now you mentioned uh, Phil Nelson. I interviewed Phil Phil Nelson on this subject uh, a few months ago. He is adamant that the so-called official story that James Earl Ray acted alone uh, didn't happen. Here's a portion of my interview with Philip Nelson. Thing that smelled here, something more than the official story. Well, you know, I, I've, I had suspicions all along from the earliest days after JFK's assassination that there was something amiss, something that, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, remained non-explained. And, and I, I, I tried to accept the official stories both of JFK's and then Robert Kennedy's and Martin Luther King's murders. Yet I al always knew that there were just too many anomalies left unexplained, and and I just felt there was something missing there. And I, for for whatever reason, <clears throat> pardon me, or for a number of reasons, I I had um, I had come to to uh, question. Yeah, the the whole character of Lyndon Johnson, even before he became president, in the in the earliest days of the um, JFK administration, I I, I've, I I noticed there were just so many stories about him that that were just just strange. Now, um, we're talking with Tyler Nixon, writer, historian, uh, attorney, army veteran. You, I'll, I'll buy the rationale that uh, Lyndon Johnson didn't like Martin Luther King fomenting opposition to his war, the Vietnam War. And there's a lot of evidence of uh, J. Edgar Hoover trying to blackmail Martin Luther King. There's a lot of evidence of uh, the FBI trying to persuade Martin Luther King to kill himself. But... What actual evidence exists beyond Lyndon Johnson's antipathy towards Martin Luther King? What evidence, if any, is there that Lyndon Johnson may have played a role in his murder? Well, that's uh, okay. You have to believe that, that 
a, an army intelligence operation because it wasn't just the FBI was watching King and, and keeping tabs on him. It was also army intelligence or military intelligence generally. And one thing that uh, the uh, – and by the way, Phil Nelson is a good friend, and um, he, he I, his uh, suspicions about Johnson, the way he described that, I think, I think sort of mirrors everybody's uh, – um, approach or, or initiation, I guess, into these historical events, which is that you begin with the official story, you believe, you know, the, the standardized history, uh, and then you either are, and you're drawn to it as you learn more about it, and you come to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, it's one thing after another starts to pile up, and you realize that no, this isn't kosher, this doesn't make sense. You have to become a coincidence theorist to believe it's true what the official line is, not a conspiracy theorist. You know, these are as Roger Stone would say, I'm not a conspiracy uh, conspiracy theorist. I'm a, a, a it's a conspiracy factualist or a conspiracy realist. Right, conspiracy and, analyst. He always says, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or, or I think he says a uh, realist, you know, which is it, the fact is that conspiracies do exist. I mean, and people think, unfortunately, you know, this was designed by the CIA, as you well know, Frank, in the ni- 1967, when there was uh, the garrison investigation was ramping up and there was, uh, you know, intense pressure um, from people like Mark Lane and others who were on hot on the trail of the uh, the conspiracy in the assassination of President Kennedy, that they, they decided to come up with this term conspiracy theorist as a general pejorative that exists to this day to where it's like literally all you have to do is call someone a conspiracy theorist and it's instant like nut job uh, as classification. That being said, so um, look, I mean, you know, where you're going to find a smoking gun, it's kind of like people waiting in anticipation for every uh, Kennedy document release that comes out as as though there's going to be some sort of, you know, memo from, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, Alan Dulles to – to uh, you know, um, um, gosh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Cord, uh, Cord Meyer, excuse me. Mm-hmm. You know, saying, okay, well, let's you know, let's put this into in op- No, the, the, you know, these guys didn't operate that way. There's not going to be that sort of smoking gun. It has to be uh, sort of pieced together as a puzzle, inferentially. Um, but the fact is that um, Judge Joe Brown, who's a very interesting, colorful character, who actually presided over the last of the proceedings. Um, concerning James Earl Ray as a judge began to dig into the case himself. And one of the things that he uncovered was uh, concerning the ballistic evidence. And it's interesting that it comes back to that because that's very much uh, one of the you know, sort of linchpins of the JFK assassination, you know, the magic bullet and Arlen Specter, uh, you know, the, the – uh, sort of the, the craziness that surrounded that that aspect of the case, he found that the um, the actual uh, first of all they didn't do an, a, a legitimate the FBI did not do a legitimate ballistics analysis on the uh, on the fatal uh, round as well as the um, are we, are we talking still the King assassination or are we back yes, on yes we're talking King okay. no we're talking Got King it. okay so so he was fi- you know he was hit with one round that went into his cheek and it ricocheted around eventually nicking his uh, carotid artery which was you know the fatal aspect of it. Um, but what, what a, a metallurgical spectrographic analysis of the actual fatal bullet uh, you know, discovered the, that this was not consistent with the other four rounds found in the supposed uh, 760 um, a Remington uh, rifle that was attributed to Ray as well as the uh, the actual um, missing. So in other words, they were able to tie together the single uh, missing, or excuse me, the single hull, in other words, the cartridge that was uh, expended, and the other four cartridges that were uh, that were still in there, but that did not correlate to the actual death round. And what he found was that they had bizarrely chopped 
chopped up the actual find the um, the actual bullet, the, the death bullet, chopped it up into pieces in, in doing this analysis. And the FBI report is not even available publicly. It's under seal, apparently, or it's you know it's, it's out of public view. But that being said, there were still pictures available. He calculated that, as you know, there's twists, the lands and grooves. You're able to sort of uh, determine from a, once a bullet's fired um, the ballistics of the twist of the rifle, you know, and what barrel it came out of, and then you ma match it to the barrel itself. And what he determined was that the twist of the uh, the actual death bullet was one twist for every 11.4 inches, I believe it was, or 11 and a quarter inches. Now. Ray's rifle is a clearly uh, standard, uh, you know, uh, type type rifle that has one twist for every ten inches. So, in other words, the death bullet cannot have matched the actual rifle. Now, here's the here's the interesting thing, is that this rifle, this uh, a rifle of this type of uh, excuse me, with this type of barrel, was specially made by the. Uh, uh, a company for the Department of Defense through the uh, Director of Army, uh, excuse me, the uh, Director of not Civilian Marksmanship, the Army Marksmanship Program, uh, which were basically converted M14s, the, uh, you know, familiar with the M14 rifle used uh, in Vietnam by the Marines, and they had converted these to what they called XM21s, and what they had were special uh, like stainless barrels that also had suppressors at the end of them. They they specifically made suppressors for this, and they had ordered a whole lot of them. Five of them apparently went to the FBI. One of them could not be accounted for when they army the army said we want these back. So they actually have requisitions for these. Ironically, in uh, uh, I believe it's I forget the name of the it's a gun journal that that went over it um, and discussed you know this particular very unique type of, of rifle which was supposed to be used for like special forces and special operations where they could you know basically be in, in close to the enemy and not alert them because they would have suppressed fire but it would slow down the round as well so what you had were uh, you know basically military a military grade shot at King um, and. You know that that connects you back to, uh, and also of course the just the fact of um, the suppression of the truth of it. You know the the conspiracy involving people on the ground, such as the uh, you know Lloyd Jowers, um, who was the the owner of the the cafe, I guess beneath the the so-called flop house. Um, there's nothing directly uh, that I've seen that, and and of course I, I you'd have to go back I think to. Uh, uh, to Phil Nelson's great book, which is uh, Who Really Killed, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and uh, to see where there, you know, it's it's sort of one of those things. Who else would have? I mean, you know, there's, there were certainly a number of plots by white supremacists, uh, you know, against uh, attempts to one, uh, you know, desire certainly to kill King, going back to probably the late 50s. But that being said, he was dead within a year of having come out in opposition to Lyndon Johnson's war and become persona non grata. Um, so, and again, I think this is the type of operation, it's sort of like Dallas involving uh, JFK. There's too much per official involvement, um, whether it be the Memphis police and people like that. Um, and then, of course, the military intelligence tra tracking, so, which uh, Tyler, eventually you I, might... I have to I have to move on, but can you briefly explain... Um, what exactly the jury in the Lloyd Jowers civil case in 1998 determined, and is their determination uh, something that you agree with? 
Yeah, I would agree with it. I mean, I think they presented a, a uh, it was presented and Pepper was part of that. Uh, the entire case, all the evidence that had been collected up to that point, and they determined that not only did Ray, well, they found Ray uh, on a, this is a civil case, mind you, this isn't a criminal case, but it was a civil case. They determined that Ray was not the shooter and that there was, in fact, a, uh, you know, a federal uh, or a conspiracy not only involving multiple people, but involving basically state and uh, federal agencies. So this was, you know, this was a jury that listened to this evidence, uh, you know, very, very painstakingly presented. Now, I mean, is that the be all end all? Uh, no, I don't think that that establishes conclusively that Lyndon Johnson had a motive or maybe green lighted or didn't, you know, was was all right with him being assassinated. But that being said, the you know, the, the, there is a, a court proceeding that has determined that this was a, a conspiracy and it did involve the government. And, and frankly, Dr. King's family is uh, totally in, in uh, support of that and believe, has believed that since the uh, early 90s. Right. Well, uh, one thing interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I don't want to. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I actually have to uh, have to wrap up. But I want to thank you for coming on the show. And uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon. Sounds good, Frank. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you want to find uh, Tyler Nixon on Twitter, you can do so at uh, Real Tyler Nixon. Uh, that is Real Tyler Nixon spelled just like the president. 